Journey to Truth podcast is brought to you by Omnia Radiation Balancer. Omnia Radiation Balancer is a device that protects against the microwave radiation that we're bombarded with every day uh, from the cell phone towers, Wi-Fi routers, smart meters, all of it. Uh, Tim Sanders, who we've had on a previous podcast, has developed a solution that negates the threat to our vibrational body from these microwaves. Uh, it's a patch that you apply to any radiating device, such as a phone, laptop, uh, like I said, smart meter, microwave, Wi-Fi routers, all of it. And it's proven to reduce DNA damage, uh, reduce stress, headaches, anxiety. It helps improve blood circulation, immune system function, energy levels, sleep quality. Uh, there's a, a whole laundry list of stuff it does. Uh, for more information and to purchase one of these patches, click the link below at omniaradiationbalancer.com. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. Thanks for watching. Boom. Hey, welcome to Journey to Truth Podcast. Tonight we have on Peter Maxwell Slattery coming to us from Australia. Uh, it's quite a time difference right now. It's Saturday evening for us, Sunday morning for him. So, um, Peter, if you don't know who he is, he's an author, a lifetime experiencer. He has probably the largest catalog of UFO sightings on footage, footage of UFOs. Uh, on the planet, uh, UF, uh, not just UFOs, uh, ETs, paranormal, all of it. Um, so we are so excited to have you on. Uh, ever since ever since ESETI, you spoke with ESETI, you really uh, opened my eyes to a lot of things. I, I honestly was wasn't very familiar with you with your work prior to that. Um, but it's amazing. It's amazing what you've done. It's amazing what you're doing and. Uh, your interview on Edge of Wonder from ESETI was just awesome. I uh, learned a lot about you from, from that. So we're, thanks for coming on. Uh, how's it going over there? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's uh, pretty busy at the moment. We've got a lot of projects going on. Um, I've got uh, the uh, Cosmic Secret coming up that's going to be released. That's actually yeah. uh, Corey Wood's movie, but it's, I'm in it as well as James uh, Gilliland, Barry Littleton, John Vivanco, David Wilcock, Laura Eisenhower. These are huge, uh, great cast in that as well. Uh, we've got a lot of projects in terms of uh, conferences and workshops coming up. And I'm working on a lot more books and other things at the moment. So it's been pretty bogged down as well as having interactions with these beings as well and getting updates. So there's definitely a lot going on. Yeah, so I'm actually really excited to hear, well, I don't know how much you're at liberty to speak about The Cosmic Secret, but I'm, I want to hear about Disclosure Down Under, your, your conference in January, I believe. Yeah, so with the conference, there's two parts to it. They go for two days each, and one will be in Melbourne, uh, which is the southern part of Australia, and the other one will be in Sydney. So there's uh, John Bavanko, Barry Littleton, Jordan Sather, The Edge of Wonder Boys, James Gilliland and myself that will be speaking. Um, we've got one of the workshops happening in Sydney just before that event as well. And so we're looking at covering different aspects from different angles on disclosure. Basically how we're the ones orchestrating it, which is what it really comes down to. And like I say, you know, if a bird landed on your front lawn, do you need to ring up the government and ask them, is there a bird on your front lawn? It's, it's coming <laughs> from a place of internal uh, dialogue and, you know, from experience and listening to the experiences and making up your own mind and, you know, putting the, the jigsaw puzzle together ourselves as a collective as well as individually as well going on our own journey. So 
we hope to uh, be able to cover a lot of information between all the speakers. And we're looking at opening up a actual facility for ECD Australia very soon. We're in talks about doing that now. So for the past probably five, six years that I've had ECD Australia, we've mainly been doing things around the country in the public. For example, people can go online and see the videos where I have nearly 100 people in parks and I'm filming daytime objects, objects at night time, uh, and we're making contact on a, a group collective level in the middle of cities or you know in the country, it doesn't matter where we go, this is happening everywhere. So um, yeah, like it's it's gonna be interesting times to see where things go from here with what's going on. Yeah, so as far as disclosure in Australia compared to the States, uh, is it what like what's actually taking place over there? Is this is are people uh, going through the same awakening process there? Or are they a little further behind? Because I know other parts of the world aren't quite going through this whole awakening process as we are. I'd I'd have to say it's spun around differently, okay. only from experience because I've been around to some places in the world, and when we look at for example, and not Australia. Australia is pretty much on par with America, but we've only got population of 24 million and we're the same size as America in land mass. So yeah. when you look at that, where things happen a little bit slower, but I'd say that a lot of the population is open to it. But when we look at countries like, let's say, Mexico, uh, let's say Japan, let's say Indonesia, Asia, a lot of these places, they've already passed a UFOs real. They, they're already up to what's behind them. And so that shocked me when I started doing a lot of stuff with uh, Tursa Millennia TV, which is a Mexican TV show, Jaime Massan's group. And that's where I'd say that it's flipped around in terms of, you know, a lot of the world is already past what, what we would term disclosure in terms of the mass populace wanting it from an authoritarian authority figure with the government. Now, when we look at it, we have seen a huge thing where a lot of the Western world and a lot of Europe have bought out their UFO documents and they've always done so. Yeah, there's been a bit of delay, usually five, 10 years after the fact, maybe that's for investigative reasons. But, and Australia's done that as well. We've bought out a lot of UFO documents. America seems to be the one that's lacking with that. And what I mean by that was that when Project Blue Book ended, they said that they were no longer investigating UFOs, but they've been proven wrong on many accounts, especially with the Rendlesham Forest, way after Project Blue Book, where they are investigating that. And then we've got other you know, instances like the Nimitz case, the Tic Tac UFO, um, and I'm sure many other cases, and now the Pentagon within the last year or two, I think have come forward about them investigating UFOs again, I think since about the 2007 timeframe. So I think America doesn't get to see a lot of what's going on in the rest of the world with the UFO community because a lot of the world is based, focused on what's happening in America because if it happens in America, it's going to happen elsewhere. And that could be the case. So, yeah, it's just... I think there's different angles of it. There's the non-believers, there's the skeptics that are open to it. So you've got open-minded people that are looking at everything based on the evidence. And then you've got the people that already believe. And then you've got the people that actually know. And that's the difference. And I think us as a civilization, the biggest problem that we've got to come across is the difference between believing and knowing. Because believing doesn't do anything. 
believing is just, and it's okay to have that point of view, that reference, but that's what's got us in this predicament as a civilization where we could say that these other forces, the lower light, I call them, have been able to manipulate because we go by a belief system. We believe the Bible. We believe the Quran. We believe what the politicians are saying. We believe what is so on the so-called mainstream media. But that's belief. They don't know. They haven't done personal investigation. They haven't got personal experience. And that's where I want the people to start looking at things is doing their own research and going with what can be known. And it's okay to believe and it's okay not to believe as well. But there's a big difference because that blind belief is what's got us in this predicament as a collective and individually as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things that, that reminds me of or makes me think of is, so it's hard for somebody who hasn't had an experience to jump on board with a lot of this information. Myself, uh, as an experiencer, uh, when I hear you, Corey Good, Barry Littleton, other people talk, it resonates so deeply. I know it's somewhere deep in my core that this information is true. It's almost like I'm remembering it. Now, somebody who isn't an experiencer, it's a lot harder for them to, to really jump on board with this information. So what do you say to that? Because that's, that, that's where I think we're seeing the division because it's hard, for, it's hard for a lot of people to believe some of this stuff that's so you know, profound and fantastic. It is, you know, years ago when I was first public about this, I was sort of thrown into mainstream media with this and I didn't ask for it. It actually just happened. I was thrown on the evening news on the uh, morning show over here called Sunrise and I wanted to tell the world. Now, things have changed a lot since then because I came to the conclusion shortly after that that who am I to tell people what to believe or what not? I can present the evidence. But unless people have experienced something that's, you know, we could say out of this world or that's uh, unexplainable by conventional physics, who am I to tell them what to believe? So what I would say is that we need people to be open-minded. Now, the, the flip side to that, which is hard, is that it does take years and years of research to put this together. Anybody that thinks they can fix this situation in six months will figure out if it's real or not, you know, it's... It's not possible. It is so complex and layered. And I think it's actually simple once we get down to it, but you need to be educated first on things like uh, reincarnation, esoteric knowledge, um, physics, that, you know, the physics that these crafts are operating on, which are mainly consciousness, we have got no reference point for it at this time. And so I would say that people just need to be open-minded and not to try and confine themselves in a box of yes or no, black or white, because the shades of grey in between that black and white are so vast that I know for myself personally that when I've been given information from these beings, some of them extraterrestrial, some of them are what I would call from the geometric light realms just on the peripheral of source, and that would blow a lot of people's mind and going, what, what's he talking about? But when I look at the information or have received it, at times, I haven't been able to process it because my level of consciousness hasn't been evolved enough to understand deeply what they're talking about. And then two, three years later, I put the dots together. And so if I'm going through that with someone that's well-read on this situation and continuously to have experiences nearly every day, you know, how can the average person possibly process this? Because they're looking at it predominantly from a nuts and bolts point of view. 
And this is where some of it is, but a large majority of it isn't. And that which is could be connected to the SSP program or, you know, just uh, exotic technology that we're working on ourselves. Some of it could even be, be beings living beside us. So there's these, this huge, you know, when you get into this, I guess, this realm of this field, you, you could start off with UFOs. Soon that leads to ghost and paranormal activity. Then it leads to near-death experiences, past life reincarnation. It just goes on and on and on. And that's the, the rabbit hole that we all go down, I guess. Yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, that was beautifully put, by the way. Yeah. I, uh, it's just... I, I agree with you as far as um, being open-minded and all that stuff, but we still have the people who are like, I want the evidence. I want facts. I want the proof, you know, that's, and that's where you're saying we just need to get to a level of knowing because we're never going to have the real, the evidence that people are looking for, or it is already out there. Like, I know you have physical evidence. You have, you have probably all the evidence somebody could want, but the problem with that also is that, you can so easily fake a photograph or, or a video. You can show somebody the most authentic picture or video of an extraterrestrial walking down the sidewalk, let's just say. And people, no one would believe it because it's so easy to make a realistic video of that happening. So that, that's, that's not going to do it for us anymore. Uh, it isn't. It isn't. Like I've got... Yeah. <sighs> metal crystal samples, I've got um, soil samples from landing. I've got over 300 witnesses that have been present in my presence individually or groups at a time in my own home that has seen this stuff, let alone thousands at the Skywatchers. And if that's not enough, it's, it's, for some people, it's just not enough no matter what, even with the scientific data that can be retrieved from the evidence that I've got. We could in some sense say that I've got more evidence to prove my case and what people do that the biblical texts are real in a court of law that you I have to that. the bible yeah. so yeah. like very convoluted that's where i'm at the point where a lot with that stuff i'm you know when i'm allowed to and when i can capture this evidence i do so but i'm very much over it now just from the point of view that i've built a case to go you know extraordinary claims do call for extraordinary evidence but when's enough enough it just for some people no matter what and that's okay that's where they're at i'm not gonna be rude to them or anything else that's the problem with this stuff is that people can very uh be very derogatory towards people just for no reason with whether they're in this community or not and that's where it's just people accepting where people are at in terms of what we can prove what we can't this to some people what might be proof to me might not be proof to you guys and vice versa. And very much so in the age that we are in now, the stuff that can be manipulated or created with CGI and computers is unbelievable. And so, you know, I've done, I've given the metadata and I've given the originals to um, Jason Gleaves, who's ex-UK Air Force and Aerospace. He's uh, validated my evidence, Japanese TV. Tursa Millennia group as well. I've gone through all that and I'm pretty much over it. Not because of them guys. I've been appreciative for their work, but no matter what, I still get crap for it. Like you guys are saying, whether people believe it or not, it just does seem to not matter. But I've done what I can on my part to make the evidence stand up for itself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I, awesome. I want to shift gears a little bit here. And so I've read your, 
uh, the first book, the Shiji, Shiji, is that how you say it? Shiji? Yeah, Shiji. Yep. So I read the first one. I'm in the middle of the second one right now. Uh, totally awesome. I mean, the, the, the book just, you know, the, the, that type of information is like, uh, it's kind of like a magnet towards certain people, you know, it just, it seems to find certain people and it's a beautiful message. And I know that uh, just from, just from reading it, the understanding that you have of like our existence or we're, we're living like multiple lives at once and, and all these messages that they're telling you. So what, so what would you say the overall message from the Pleiadians for humanity would be if you could put it in a nutshell? Well, it's about upping our level of consciousness through the earth human experience. And with that, it's very, you know, it comes down to very basic things, which is brother, brother, sisterly love, treat others how you want to be treated, non-judgment, love, compassion, um, love for the earth, animals, all existence, see creator in all creation. And so there's, that is the basic message that it comes down to. And I think when you look at any experience or when they're putting out this information, when you, I guess, compact it and put it in layman's terms, that's what it comes down to. But we get caught up in a lot of the information in terms of, you know, extraterrestrial races, what these other beings are doing and implementing in the places that they're at. There's so many different things that come with it. But that's the basic gist of the idea. Yeah. And it's for anybody out there listening to this, if you haven't, if you're interested in this information, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing, uh, really activating information, I could say. Uh, if, especially if you're like in a rut and you're, you know, you're trying to figure out, man, what do I need to do in life? You know, what's my mission? This material is exactly what somebody might need to hear to help, you know, kickstart them. Definitely. And it's blown me out how much people resonate with it. Each one of those three books, GG one, two, and three, they were bestsellers in 48 hours in four countries on Amazon. And it just wow. blew me away because I didn't expect it to do what it's done and I see a lot of people getting activated through reading the text and the material mm -hmm. in terms of whether it's looking at other research or going down other avenues or things making sense that they've experienced and gone through because it's so complex when we look at our existence how we're all one consciousness interacting with itself how late it is that I think those books have put it in very simple terms for complex ideas to be absorbable can you explain to people who might not know about these books basically what this what this is it's like you channeled information from a pleiadian that you're directly in contact with correct yes so shiji is a being from the pleiades uh that i started interacting with around the age of seven unbeknownst to me until later on in life because i started getting this female voice talking to me telling me things that were going to happen things of that nature and later on, I started to have physical interactions with her. And I still do today on and off, depending on the circumstances. So basically, it got to the point where one day I just got intuitive information to sit down and start writing. And all of a sudden, within, I think it was nine days, the first book was done for an hour each day, doing each chapter. And the information is not just from her. It is from beings that are also in Orion, Sirius, uh, what I call the geometric light realm, so angelic type beings, beings from the star nations in general, and most of all, the Elohim, 
which she's an offshoot from and the information goes into how we're all an offshoot our highest expression our god self if you can imagine my body is god and each microscopic cell in it would be the elohim and we divide off like we divide off from that and go fractal through the planes and dimensions to experience many realms and forms of existences at the same time. And so she goes into the creation process, uh, sort of the history of humanity in the earth and how we've gotten into the situation that we're in and who's orchestrating what behind the scenes. And also the, the war in the third book she goes into, which is the war on thought, the war on consciousness right now, and how these negative entities are actually helping us in a way outside the box to where they can no longer affect us. So like Albert Einstein said, you can't solve a problem with the same level of consciousness that created. Therefore, we basically have to rise our consciousness. And if we see what these uh, beings are doing, the lower light, the archons and the artificial intelligence and those that are part of that network, it is basically raising us through the love frequency to rise above what's going on to where it uplifts our consciousness individually and as a collective. And it, the information also goes into how there is an ascension process. There is solar flash material that coincidentally I talked to Corey about that sort of matched up with him. And there's been a lot of commonalities with uh, his material, Barry, James Gilliland and others that later has blown my mind to sort of go, all right, I'm not the only one just getting this information because a lot of the time I try not to look at other people's research or experiences just because I just want to know what I know and, you know, process what I know. Though I do do a bit of research and things, but it's usually after the fact from an experience or information that's given to me to see if there's anything to corroborate it or to, uh, I guess, validate coming times and things of that nature. Well, yeah, and it is essential to, to, to have somebody or to know that there are other people that are experiencing the same stuff because we have to find our tribe, you know, other, because if you are just going through all this stuff on your own, you might go crazy if you don't, if you think you're the only one. So if you find like-minded people, it really helps uh, keep your sanity. Yeah, definitely. And I've got a lot of love and compassion for people that are waking up and going through this. I was actually alone for about 10 years in an apartment going through this. I lost friends, family thought I was nuts. I actually lost jobs because of this, all because it was all plastered over television. I didn't think and know of the implications. So I know whether people are in the spotlight or not, I know that these are very hard and trying times, but they've got to know that they will pull through. There's a reason for this. It's usually the waking up part is the hardest because people even watching this wanting to go, I want to have an experience. And I believe that everyone's an experience of it. People waking up. My message to you is be, be careful what you wish for, because when it happens, every single facet of your life changes and it can be very hard for the first few years because basically it's like going to the military. You're going to be broken down. And it's going to seem like, you you know, people have suicidal tendencies and thoughts. Uh, they want to lock themselves up, depression, anxiety. What happens from all that is that you build yourself back up because everything that we know has to be questioned once you wake up. Everything about, you know, history, religion, politics. It's a very hard time. So people just need to know that they can pull through this, but it's definitely hard times when waking up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went through that. Uh, my awakening happened in 2012, about seven years ago. And I was a, I grew up in a Christian family, like a very Christian family. And 
I, I was for the first 25 years of my life. And something triggered me to start um, questioning my own beliefs and to just start doing my own research and, and looking into things. And um, basically, I just something triggered that. And I just I just wanted the truth no matter what, no matter where it led me. And I just I basically went down every rabbit hole I possibly could. And that's what led me to UFOs and ETs and um, and then spiritual information and um, all kinds of conspiracy stuff. And um, yeah, I had a lot of belief systems that I realized very quickly weren't my own. They were just handed to me and I adopted them. And that's what a lot of people on the planet, uh, you know, so many people have these belief systems that their identity is tied in with. Like it's a part of, it becomes a part of you and your identity. And that's why it's so hard for people to um, accept things outside of that and to, and to get beyond that because it, it feels like they're, it's attacking them or it's like, um, it's like a personal attack. Yeah. 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 Or anything outside of that. It's like that you, you want to immediately discount because you're uncomfortable with it or you, you haven't, um, you're not open-minded enough to, to accept information outside of a belief system when you have it that integrated and uh, when you have an awakening that just gets blown to pieces and then uh, you have to deal with all that and process that. And it was really hard for me at first. Like I, I felt like it felt like a death, so to speak. Um, and um, like an emotional death is the best way I can put it. That's true. It, yeah. That's like the best way I can describe it. And, um, and then I kind of felt like lost for a little period. Like I didn't, have any kind of foundation to my life like I was just floating like but I knew there was something I knew there was some kind of intelligence order to all of life because I'm like I know this is not all an accident that's the one thing I I still knew for sure and uh and I started coming across a lot of spiritual information and um and then realizing we're not alone in the universe and there's beings all over the universe and life is abundant we're not it's not just on this one planet that wouldn't make any sense and uh and that really that was the most comforting thing to me to, to know that like oh life is everywhere and and this one life is not all there is and you know it, exactly you keep existing beyond this one incarnation this is just one incarnation yeah so and and you've actually had an experience where you've been shown the whole universe and basically uh a dodecahedron or, or I forgot how you explained it. It was, yeah, it was so, fascinating, though. I'll try to, every time I explain this, I hope I do the best job because it's hard to put in human terms. And it was actually, I got to the point where I got on the peripheral of this universe and saw the other universes and I actually had to stop. It was just, it was too mind-blowing. But what happened was, it started out as seeing everything on, we could even say maybe a subatomic, particle level even beyond of I started out with like plants and grass and things like that and they were all made up of these microscopic dodecahedrons that had a purple hue to the outline but they was like they were transparent and then it zoomed out and I was shown the earth and the moon and everything in our solar system made up of these dodecahedrons then I was shown the Milky Way galaxy, other galaxies made up of these, these dodecahedrons. Everything was sort of within each other or overlapped. And at times I was shown a toroidal field or a torsion field, 
however people want to best describe it, at times throughout that, until the point where I was pulled out and I could see the universe as a dodecahedron. Now, this is what I believe was a blueprint, one of the many blueprints, which are, I guess, that's, that's the best way I can describe it. It's a blueprint because I'll tell you now, there is unlimited amounts. I couldn't even put, you know, even trillions on terms of the amount of extraterrestrial life that's out there. But that's only in the third density, let alone going up fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And then a lot of the times now I get taken to places that are completely realms where planets and stars do not exist. And I would say that what we perceive as extraterrestrial life wouldn't even be 5% of what's going on out there. And with that said, I wouldn't even know 1% out of a, a trillion percent of what's going on. I just know what I can tell you from experience. So I'm not coming at it from a place that I know everything, but I've been shown a lot that I, I do share. So when I got to that place where I was on sort of the peripheral of the universe and I could see the universe made out of this dodecahedron, it was information told that this is your universe. This is what you perceive as God. And it, in an aspect is the way that we perceive it. Everything within that is one consciousness interacting with itself. So we're talking about all the galaxies, all the planes and dimensions and the interplane, which is the same place in between each dimension. And so what it basically was taking me to then was that, all right, that is God and these are all other gods as well. And I mean, it was like taking it to another level again. Imagine this body is like a super God and each cell in it is a God with its own universe. Like, so it, it wasn't just like, all right, there's one God that encompasses all consciousness. There is something greater, which a stupid term, but it's the only term I can come up with is like a super God where all the universes are a part of it. Now, each universe has parallel universes, has dimensions. So I'm not talking about these other universes being parallel universes or dimensions. I'm talking about these are their own things. Wow. And shown <laughs> Once we get to a certain level of consciousness, if we decide to do so, we can divide off like a cell out of this universe individually as a cell. So meaning your God self, your God self or mine, and we can actually pop out and have our own dodecahedron in our own universe with its own cells and planes and dimensions and be the creator beings of our own complete new universe. And this is going on constantly. What I was also shown was that just like our cells in our human body regenerate every seven years, I was shown that this is what those dodecahedrons do. They don't do it every seven years. And even though time's an illusion, it gets to a certain point in their own time where it basically implodes and explodes again and redoes its own thing. So everything that was experienced once in that existence, when the end of time comes for that, that universe, it just restarts over again. It's just like a, a cell regenerating. So it doesn't stop. It's perpetual. So, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing because it just showed to me, and I've said this to people that have misunderstood my information, and this shows how beautiful existence is, that we do not die. There is no heaven. There is no hell. We can sort of manufacture those types of experiences when we leave. But when we do go back to source, and I know from experience when I regularly go there or through these geometric light realms on the peripheral of it, which is where a lot of the angelics and light beings reside, it is the most blissful state. And there is 360 degree unbounded awareness. And there is a symbiotic relationship with everything at once where you, the things that we question here that we want to know no longer exist in those states of consciousness because everything's just known at once. And that's the point why we left source was to glean 
knowledge and have experiences and it had to be different for every single cell of source so we could gain knowledge for the overall collective and it sort of goes into this i guess god consciousness database where we do it all again but differently that's part of it one thing that points to the information being very truthful especially from the angelic type beings that i'm interacting with and the elohim is that there's even mystery still to them about their existence and how all this came to be about so if it was something negative or controlling i would say that it would have an answer they didn't have an answer for certain things that were i guess very deep interactions with them on terms of knowledge so the, the beautiful thing is is that we're not just not knowing certain things a lot of these beings are still trying to understand things uh, on a deeper level as well. So it would take a lifetime of experiences to even begin to comprehend what you just explained and, and be able to process it. Uh, because it, it, what you just explained it, with the universe and the dodecahedrons and just being infinite and so vast, I don't think that in our 3D bodies and in, in this 3D reality, we can't I don't think we have it in us to comprehend the vastness of it. And to even begin to get close to where you're talking about, it would take a lifetime of experiences and contact because you've been groomed, you know, your whole life to, to, to have this deep understanding and which is beautiful. And, you know, anybody who's going through this awakening kind of, uh, we all, we're all understanding this information slowly. Uh, but I, I just think that the vastness of it is so, it's so infinite, we, we can't really quite comprehend that yet. Well, I think that's true when we look at things from the Earth human experience, but from my own personal experience and knowledge from the beings as well, and I'll say beings, which encompasses trans-dimensional, extra-dimensional, you know, extraterrestrials, everything, but what I know is that in between each lives, we actually know it all. In that state where we're not incarnated, where we are connected to we could say that unified field we know all this anyway so the thing is is that right now if you can imagine a basketball with the little area where you put the pin in to fill up the basketball the best way i can describe it is that is all three of us and everyone watching us watching this this is our pinpoint of awareness right now if you think about it, where we're anchored into the human body computer and we're actually out there we're not in this we're actually connected to it and right now, how we're perceiving things, experiencing things, even us talking now, it's with the pinpoint of awareness of that 360-degree unbounded awareness. And in that state is where we actually know it all. It's when we come in that information shown to me and revealed to me is that, how can I put this? A lot of us can't be blown wide open or know a lot and slowly have to understand it. Part of it's got to do with integrating the information, but also if we went from point A to point Z in terms of evolution here, we would screw things up. It has to be like part of a process of the collective and individual as well. That's why we can't know everything when we incarnate. I've got a lot of past life memories and knowledge as well, which are really same life because incarnation, reincarnation exists, but it doesn't at the same time because if when we look at things linear, it's true. And I'm saying that it is true, but the point where it's not is that what's been shown to me is that we are living so many different lives at the exact same time, though that's an illusion, that it takes that out of the equation. So the way I can describe this is sort of like the octopus effect, I call it. There's the head of the octopus, 
And then you've got the tentacles coming off. Now, each one of them could be living and experiencing a different existence at the exact same time. This is multidimensional mind I'm talking about. So when we're linear, it's very hard to perceive. Now, one of these lives could come off and it could basically uh, achieve ascension and it could split itself up into another heap of lives experiencing lives. This is where things are fractal in nature. And so this is where the information I've got can be very complex and it's, you know, for people to do what they want with. But this is where it's like there's so much happening because once you get to the God self, the Elohim self, all those cells are connected and everything's one consciousness interacting with itself. So, you know, what do you do with this? You know, th these are the sort of the things I reconnecting with that I think about and I connect to those states of consciousness at night and uh, in the morning and evening and uh, afternoon every day through my practices. But what do you do with it? It's... Yeah. 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 Well, you, you, you do exactly what you're doing. You're, you, you do your best to explain it to people out there who are listening because everyone who does listen to this, some, some part of them is going to be activated by this information. And that's what you do with it. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. In my yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. It's, um, it's quite life altering when you're going through these things as well, because you start to see the illusion for what it is. It's one thing to know, you know, we've got people like Elon Musk and all these scientists thinking that this is like a stimulated reality. And in some forms, it actually is. Everything is. Everything's like a part of the whole. But not in the way that they think it is. <laughs> not in the way they think it is. Not in the I way think there's some kind of supercomputer somewhere else generating like a hologram. Like a computer, like we think of a computer generating, uh, yeah, like a hologram. Yeah, and somehow our consciousness is like connected to that, but it's not. That's not the. Yeah. <laughs> no. In one instance, what's happening is, and it's not the case, but there is parts of it that, that can have some truth to it. Is from the information revealed to me, the fallen Elohim, which became the Archon Network, which overshadow reptilians, dracos, we could say parasitic thought forms, those that are in service to self. When they first fell and they wanted to stay here, they did create a multidimensional technology that mainly uses satellites, meaning moons, uh, planets. And these, these things send out frequencies. And it's basically over time spread it out like a virus over the entire, not the entire universe, but parts of the universe. And they're all intersected to where we can't see the reality for what it is. And so there is an artificial intelligence that in some way is manipulating what this reality is meant to be to block us off from what's really going on. And this has been going on for a very long time. It reached our neck of the woods. I'm not sure how long ago, but I'd say we're going back millions and millions of years because I know that the Lyrians had been around for a while, but the Lyrians started coming to earth about 20 plus million years ago. And the first example of, the Elohim coming into existence there uh, was long before that. Because what happens is, is each planetary body or place, once it, it, it's got a uh, evolved to a certain point to where it can contain life or hold life, what first happens is that the Elohim divide off from the blueprint and they manifest in the physical form and they were nor male nor female originally. And so... This is where there's a lot of information on the creation story, but the creation story is fractal. It's happening when places are right to have life on them. And it's not just a Milky Way galaxy. It's going 
way way back and i've interacted with beings that are that are there's no time reference for how old they are one of them's actually still in uh 3d existence but he can go multi-dimensional and this being i call the wise one and he looks very similar to et from the movie et but with black eyes a lot darker he basically looks like he's got no mouth as well and that that being's job was basically to incarnate once and that's it. He will never die until Source basically absorbs itself back in and redoes it again. And so the, the vast amounts of life out there and existences and what we perceive as our reality through, I guess, the, the manipulation of the artificial intelligence is just vast and it, it just keeps going on and on. The, the wise one that you just were talking about, the ET looking one, it almost sounds like the description of him almost sounds like that uh, video, that footage you have where he, he leans in from the side and then you could see him blink a couple times. And uh, it, it, it almost, to me, that's what it looked like. That's what it reminded me of. Is that being? Yeah, well, that's similar to what that being looks like. That Now, the being that I'm talking about, the wise one now resides in Orion. He's outlived his star system. The oldest beings that I know of, uh, if we take the Elohim and the Angelics, Metatron, Michael, all those out of the equation, because they all work in sync, would be this type of being mixed in with, I'd say, certain types of insectoids. That they're that ancient and old, that they're, wise, they're so wise that what we see is indifferences, good or bad, they're surpassed, that their level of consciousness is just absolutely amazing. But yeah, no, it's pretty much... Similar description with that video. Yeah, but uh, there's actually two other brown races in Orion. They're greys, but they're brown. And uh, one of them actually looks like Roger the alien from American Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and he's brown. Uh, there's actually a, a group collective consciousness of them. They're individual as well. So they've actually got a consciousness. They're not robotic. And then there's smaller ones as well that are um, a little bit stockier and, and different in, in nature as well. So there's... So much life out there is absolutely unbelievable. And it's unbelievable yeah. that you're able to actually capture footage of some of it too, uh, which is, you know, probably how you got put on the map really is with all your footage. Uh, I, I, I would guess anyway, I don't really know your whole story, but, uh, and which leads me to my next question is, do you just have these sightings and get this footage like in Australia or in East SETI in Washington with James Gillan, or is this anywhere you go? Anywhere I go, anywhere I go. So it wouldn't matter if um, Mexico, Bali, America here, it just doesn't matter where I go, this phenomena and experiences continue to happen. I think some of it's tapping into naturally what's in those areas. Sometimes you've got inner earth beings or beings that reside outside of our frequency in certain areas. And then other times it's my crew coming in, picking up on me or I'm picking up on them, depending on their level of consciousness and what technology they've got. Uh, yeah, this, this stuff happens. Italy, it happened. I filmed one of the best bits of footage I've ever uh, filmed in Italy with a Japanese television crew that were there. And I basically told them what time, location and direction this craft would arrive. And we got 20 minutes of uh, I got it on 4K footage, they got it on three different cameras. And this thing was like jumping a mile in a second and coming back and we thought this was gonna was actually gonna land. So, you know, that's just a place I've never been. I told them the time, location, and everything played out how it was going to play out and that's exactly what happened. So I think that once you're awake and aware to a certain point, 
this is where you start to realize once you can work with your consciousness, you can initiate contact. And I'll say it's not summoning. People will say it's summoning. It's not summoning. It's more along the lines of when you put out an intention and if you know certain beings, names or frequencies, you can tap into them like a universal phone number just through thought, through consciousness. And so just like a friend would be like one of you calling up each other, ringing them up and going, you're available for a coffee. You might be, you might not be. Same, same thing can happen with these beings so they can transcend space and time. So this is where really now a lot of the work that I'm doing is based on helping people get the connection that I've got through self-mastery work and also the, the CE5 self-mastery workshops, which go into doing this as a group, but also individually as well. Yeah. So and do you have any, have you ever like uh, messed around or explored with remote viewing your own, your own uh, sightings? So have you ever like tried to remote view like what's taking place on this craft that you're filming? Yeah. So it's yeah interesting you bring that up because what people don't know is even before I got known for this, I was doing paranormal investigations in some of Australia's most haunted locations. I'll get called up to go and do it. Some of these places I've spent an entire night by myself in there in asylums, jails, things of that nature. And I was taking UFO reports, being somebody that was very interested in this because I was experiencing the phenomena till the, int the interaction stepped up to, to physically. Now, after that period, I did about three and a half years constantly of eight to 12 hours a day remote viewing and meditation. And I actually studied remote viewing, did it. I'm good friends with John Vivanco, who's worked for the Alphabet Agencies in America and he's very well known as well. Sure. And I do, how would I put it? Because of that mixed in with meditation, what I was told by Shiji was that my abilities exponentially jumped like crazily to the point where I can instantaneously at times know exactly who's on the craft, what, what their operation is, why they're interacting with me. I can get so much information within seconds. And what happens, how it actually works is when there's, they send a thought like a data transfer and it goes into your light body. Now, the problem is, is that sometimes some of the information will come 10 minutes, an hour later, or even more. But remote viewing, usually you're getting points straight away. But when it's very advanced beings, there's so much data contained like a book of information. It will sit in your light field and then it will come down through the crown chakra for the right side of the brain, decoded as it comes to the left. And you're left with point form, books of information or paragraphs that can open up. So at times, if I'm baffled by something and I'm not sure, I will remote view it. But a lot of the time I have an awareness of my own experiences and what's going on. Like me and James will be sitting there and we'll almost stay at the same time. The Pleiadian is about to come over when I'm sitting at the ranch and bang, this craft will come over, power up and completely blink out. Or we'll say, one will say it before the other, but we're getting the exact same information at the same time. Or I can do this with John Vivanco and other experiences. A lot of the time now for something that hadn't been done in this case was... John Vivanco wanted to remote view some of my evidence to see, you know, just what it was. And he came to the conclusion that on most of it, I was exactly right. Some of it he had, uh, we had different bits of the information, but if you put it together, it got like a block of the information, making a whole of the subject matter. And I don't really know many people out there that have doing that in terms of 
getting somebody's evidence. It might be proved that it's real footage. This is there. But when you bring in remote viewing, that brought a whole different dimension on it because I hope in time with what he... And it wasn't just John Vivanco. He's got a whole team that remote views with him. Mm-hmm. The data that they got on me, on my information and who I am, was absolutely mind-blowing that I hope in time um, he's putting something out that was filmed almost like... It was almost like an interrogation. It was a fun thing, but the way he did it was, all right, this is this, bit, this, is this video. What happened? How did you film it? What were the circumstances and who do you think it is? And I would tell him... And they, it was pretty much the same information coming in with what they got. And it was blind in terms of John may have known what it was, but he will mix up the target before he remote views it. The, the remote viewers in his team have got no idea who I am, what the information is. But that's what it comes down to is that once you get to a certain point and you've done a lot of the self-mastery work, um, and that's what I'm doing now is appointments, helping people connect to their guides themselves. And I'll do like a reading at the start to sort of bring in the energies, hold the space. And then I can get anyone on the planet to do what I can do because it's very simple and easy and everyone can do it. You don't have to go to a psychic to get information or a remote viewer. It's good to get external information. But from my experience, every single being throughout all planes and dimensions can do this. It's just depending how you go about training and reconnecting to that depending on the physical the physical container in this case being the earth human body so yeah i guess that was a lot to to answer to your question but yeah we do remote view but the one thing that started to happen was that sometimes when i'm filming these crafts uh, and people can go online and see it themselves i've sort of left some of the best bits of footage but there's over three and a half thousand videos and photos that i've got um this will happen during the day or at night in my mind's eye or sometimes my visuals has blacked out. I can see me from the craft on the ground. Wow. So there's always like, I guess I recently started watching star Wars a couple of, I was not star Wars, star Trek a couple of years ago. And the best description would be almost something like a Vulcan mind meld. And this oh, is what yeah. I interact with these beings that happens when I'm on board the crafts or when I go to their planets or their bases. But it started to trip me out from the point of view it was unexpected because here I am on the ground and I'm filming this object and bang, all of a sudden I'm seeing what they're seeing on the craft and I'm seeing me down on the ground filming the craft at the same time. Wow. And so you've got complete multidimensional awareness. It's, it's mind-blowing. Some of these beings, when you connect with them, they can actually see what a whole suburb or a whole city are simultaneously experiencing at the same time. They could be seen through both your eyes right now, everyone in your suburb. They could see everything that everyone's doing at the exact same time. But again, it depends on the level of consciousness, depending on what beings can do that. Wow. Wow. So the, as far as the remote viewing aspect, you say you could see yourself from the craft, filming the craft. I've, I've accidentally gotten into that remote viewing state where I've been able to see myself from above. That's what even got me into, I, I took a remote viewing workshop. I went and learned. And you're right, everybody can do it. And it's interesting. I, I know what you're talking about when you say you see yourself from above. It's really crazy. You're like, oh my God, that's, I'm looking down on myself right at this moment. Uh, it's really cool. But anyone could do it. I took the class. It's, it's, you just, it's about really getting into a meditative state and uh, you know, using your heart and just learn how to feel. Uh, it's I, I was shocked with my own results 
like the first time when I did it. Well, that's what happened to me when I first did it. I think the first five targets I was given, it was so spot on. I'm just like, there's no way. And then after that, how I kept on practicing was I'd get my father, who was a former uh, police officer for 38 years. He He's uh, seen stuff with me now as well, um, which has blown him out. But what I'll do is get him to make me targets. And I'd go around and I'll draw out what the targets were. And he was just like, this is absolutely amazing. And it, it, as you know, we've said, anybody can do this. But the next level to that is initiating contact in that state. And you want to be careful what and how you're doing what you're doing because there is government remote viewing teams mm. to spy on people, to manipulate things. Um, there's even people remote influencing, trying to manipulate people to do things or to hurt people. Uh, there's there's so many different aspects to this, but the next point from that is sending thoughts back to if you interact or see something in those states, because when you look at remote viewing, there's so many different layers. There is something that when you do it, you have to be specific at your target, the date, the time, the location, or else you could be jumping anywhere in time. But sometimes when you do it, if there's something there and it's aware of you, by sending thoughts you can communicate with that being as well, just like I do on the crafts or here in my home or wherever I am. That's the next level because remote viewing, you'll get to a certain point where you won't even need to do the protocol anymore. Mm-hmm. And all the top professional remote viewers, when they use the protocol, it's only for television or show or for teaching people. You get, you'll get to a point if you keep up remote viewing that you will be doing it in a way that you do it and it will be, 10 times faster and more effective. But at the moment, when people start out a few years into it, they're really just exercising those abilities that we all have until they realise, damn, I'm starting to do it without the protocol, which is, you know, amazing when it's, once that starts to happen. Yeah. I've also heard that you don't really want to try and remote view like a government facility, like say Area 51 or even like Pine Gap in Australia, uh, because they have their own remote viewing Team, the Pentagon, or they have their own. Yeah. They have their own security against remote viewers. Essentially, they can. They know when somebody's trying to remote view that location, and they can pinpoint your location if you're remote viewing. Or they have like blocks up too that like keep you from remote viewing certain areas. Yes, definitely, and that's what you know. When once you understand this, there can be times people that are remote viewers themselves. If you ever track back, what you can do and you have to do it a few times. You can almost put fake places that you're going that they link you back to. So uh-huh. that they'll go on here and then they go, no, nah, he's not here. He's gone here. And you can do it a few times so you can actually lose them as well. And right. this is, you can lose them, but it's through advanced techniques that you've got to be able to do that. It's almost like by locating, leaving a part of yourself or a shadow of yourself somewhere and you keep doing it till you can lose them. And uh, that's, you know, there is... From personal experience, there are government, we won't even say government, I'd say it's beyond black ops. Because if you yeah. know about it, it's not black in terms of being secret. But there are operations out there that I've had to deal with where other remote viewers that are professional have removed things going on with me. And it does lead back to remote influencing or people trying to do something through remote viewing techniques for some types of organisations across the planet and off-worlders, mainly off-world, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's another thing. You can remote view off-world. Uh, that's uh, anywhere. I the mean, moon, Mars. Yeah. yeah. You can go to locations in the Pleiades and Iran and go, all right, this person's saying they're from there. Let's go and check it out. Mm-hmm. So, But that's where it gets complex as well because 
some of the planets in Orion, Sirius, and the Pleiades, and I'll say pretty much everywhere, once you go up a few densities, there'll be certain planets to start the phase out, and there'll be new planets there. The suns are always there. Sometimes there may be um, dwarf, you know, planets or uh, stars that haven't developed yet. But this is where, when we're looking at the Pleiades, for example, 400 plus light years away, we're perceiving it 400 plus light years ago from when it's hitting our eyes. Mm. And so some of these places, the planets don't reside in the third dimensional vibrational continuum. There are a few densities up and they'll exist in a few things like that. So there's a lot of fun you can have with remote viewing with that. And it definitely can help amplify your abilities, uh, especially with spiritual development and contact as well. Yeah, that's, it's incredible what, what, what's even possible uh, as far as that goes. I, I, I'm totally fascinated by it. Uh, I'm, I'm still the amateur, but uh, it's it definitely exploring it. It opens that box. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if you'd be comfortable talking about some of uh, the attacks you've received uh, early on and what do you think you were attacked as far as um, even just doing what you do? Why, why do these governments or whatever, black ops, care enough to attack you? It comes down to a few things. Like Number one is if they wanted me dead, I'd be dead. There's no problems with that. Yeah. It's like a, a couple of years ago, I was shot at from a helicopter in Yelm with a few witnesses that were present with me. And it was a black helicopter. Um, well, sort of like a Black Hawk. I couldn't tell it was nighttime, but we could tell it was a black military helicopter. It was low just above the pine trees on the property that we're at. And yeah, you could see the, the sparks, the, the sort of the light flickering from the, the, well, I don't know what type of guns they were. And so in that instance, if they wanted to be dead, they could have done that so easy. Uh, there's been a lot of surveillance. There's been technologies found around my presence that point to surveillance. Um, strange cars following, strange phone calls, threats, you name it. But like I say, the, the thing is, with my background in history, and I've been open about it, I have been around a lot of gangs and things, and I was in the record industry for many years. I was a rap artist and did 17 albums. There's about five of them available at the moment on Spotify and things like that. And I actually knew a lot of the big names in those uh, communities in Australia. And so I'm one that if you want to put up a fight, I will go for it. And now I would protect myself and my family to the, like even then to the death. But back then in my younger days, you could even hear it in my rap. I was sort of a lot more angry and, and things like that, where these days I'm completely the opposite. But in terms of why I'm saying that is because I'm somebody not to screw with if somebody tried to do that. And it's not an ego thing. It's you want to come at me, well, we're going to go at it. And I think that's one thing where they knew that intimidation was probably the only way that they could go. And that's what they've exactly tried is intimidation. The, the biggest problems I have, and I sort of laugh at those sorts of things, it's, you know, it's, that scared the crap out of me with the, sh the, the attempted shooting in that. But it's the off-world attacks from off-world entities and the frustration sometimes with the people within our own community, which frustrates me more. Because... There is a lot of division in this community where I've received more attacks from that than I would say from black ops or whatever that is. But then the real attacks that are really hard to break through and that have developed my self mastery 
is through what I would say attacks, especially from the Draco Greys. And these are small three and a half foot beings that are the worst thing you could come across. I don't care about Draco reptilians. I've come across them. It's not a pretty thing either. But these little Draco Greys are very manipulative. A lot of people think they're having um, sleep paralysis when they're being grabbed or something in the middle of their back, jumping on them in the middle of the night. A lot of the times, it's these types of entities. And so these are the sort of the attacks that I'm mainly putting up with. And yeah, that's, that's not nice either. But, you know, what can you do to, you know, what can you exactly do with it? That's, that's the point from all this is that, you know, James Gilliland, one of my best friends, he's got the East City Ranch and I've got East City Australia because we've been working together. He's gone through a lot of similar things as well. And this is the stuff in the community that doesn't get spoken about much because people want to focus on the contact and the evidence and things like that. But this is the real stuff that, um, all experiences to some extent they're going through some type of these attacks or government or whatever organisation surveillance or they're getting crap from the UFO community and I don't care about the UFO community or the spiritual community, I want people to be focusing on the consciousness aspect because that's all child's play as far as I'm concerned, it's interesting it's a great in to get an interest and open up your mind about these realities but once you're at a certain level to where you're just absolutely past all that and you see a lot of what's going on for what it is, that's where it all lies on is self-mastery and spiritual development. And so we have, you know, if you look at it like this, guys, can you guys tell me how far we've come since Project Blue Book as a, as a community worldwide in the revelations? The same theories, Jacques Vallée and that Alan Hynek and all the old school researchers had, and not putting them down, great work. I admire the work that they've done and how they've stood up for the community and what Alan Hyde did after Project Blue Book. But you tell me one conclusion that's new that they've come to, that community, the nuts and bolts ufologists, that's changed from then to now. It's the same theories, yeah. the same stuff. And nobody's listening to the experiences. And I'm not saying that people believe me. I don't want you guys to believe me. I don't want the community to believe me. That's the problem that I'm saying. We've got blind belief. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is you start listening to people like myself, Barry, James, Corey, and others, and you start to go, here's the similarities. You start connecting the dots, and that's where you can start to come to possibly, possibly opening up to those truths. Again, I don't want them to believe us. But that's what I'm saying is that this is where it comes into and where the representatives of these beings, the ones having contact, that are happening in the way that they are for us. And in some ways, we are their representatives because we're the ones experiencing this stuff and getting the information. And so a lot of what these uh, uh, secret space program, and I've had experiences with military, my lab and things like that, the technologies and the ETs they're interacting with are so low level. Their technology to us would look like magic, but on the scheme of the other beings that I'm interacting with, it's child's play. Like yeah. these things go instantaneously think and they in their own Merkaba and they break down to an electron and re-manifest in another electron anywhere in space and time through thought navigation and they rebuild there. They don't have a craft. They can break down their physical or their light body, which is two and the same as above, so below. They break down and bang, they're somewhere else. Yeah. And so this is the hard thing with me is that the complexity and the advancement of the beings that I'm mainly interacting with are of that nature, which surpass 
when people are talking about little greys or beings from here or beings from there, though I'm interacting with a lot of those types, these are the main types of beings I'm interacting with, which are highly evolved and advanced. They, they're swimming in the electrons. They know that everything's one consciousness. And so, you know, who's ready for that as well? Unless they're very well read up. Like Shiji said to me, those that are already will come for this information. It's not for everyone. They, they, they can't absorb it if they're not read up, experienced or open-minded. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So it's, yeah, mixed, park, mixed ball with, you know, everything that we're talking about in terms of the interactions and the awful, I guess, harassment as well as what's going on here as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the... The whole thing with Shiji and the message, like he, like I said earlier, that information is only meant for certain people. But what I find fascinating about it is this isn't new information. Uh, in the late 80s, The Bringers of the Dawn, I don't know if you're familiar with that book. It, I'm, a, I haven't read it, I'm familiar with that. It was, I think, a lady by the name of Barbara Marciniak or something. Yeah. 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 It's a Pleiadian message from the late 80s. Uh, that is very similar information to to what uh, Shiji is channeling through you. This stuff isn't old information. I mean, it isn't new information. It's been around forever. And you know when something's true, when it comes, it's still there. It's still the same. It hasn't changed over all these years. And the fact that it was even around then blows my mind because I, when I read that book, I was like, wow, like... <laughs> It, it, this could have been written last week. That's how relevant the information was. Well, there's a, a lot of us, like James Gilliland, again, he was uh, channeling Kazekiel in the 80s, best-selling books. He had Pleiadians and beings interacting with him like he still does. Same information. A lot of people say that my books are similar to the Seth material um, yeah. and sort of like to the Laura one, but I work with the King of Australia, Ulukai Brendan Murray, King of the Raven Tribe, actually, and talking to him privately they actually uh he released information through james and i before a lot of the aboriginals were allowed to know it, which is the meaning behind uluru the big rock in the middle of australia and the olders the rocks around us yeah and the information that i had resonated with him and he basically told me the same information which was the there was a huge pleiadian influence through atlantis and lemuria which were offshoot colonies from pleiades when they time traveled back for the inception of Atlantis and Lemuria, and they sent that rock here to smash into the planet and terraform it for life to start then again. And before that, we had reptilian custodianship for a very short lived term because they screwed up. They'll give it a go, but they screwed that up. And before that, going back 500,000 years, were the Lyrians here, which basically, Pleiadians, Orion, Syrians, a lot of us have their genetics offshot, shooted from that. But the, as I said, the Lyrians had been coming here since 20 million years ago and there was a few civilizations before even they were coming here as well so we see why i'm saying that is not even just with the original people in australia the aboriginals we call them the original people the native americans i've talked to clifford mahudi and other um native americans or, or original people in in america that have spoken about the pleiadian connection the mayans talked about the pleiadians being light beings the Japanese did as well. We see this cross-correlation all across the planet. And um, where the information gets interesting for me was with probably between book one and book two, there was experiences where she, I started to connect the dots through Shiji that she, I'm an actual offshoot of Shiji. 
yeah. and that there's an actual another offshoot of Shiji in the Pleiades. So there's a physical aspect of Shiji. There's a light being. So there's a fifth density version, a seventh density version, and then I'm a third density version. But they also come offshooted from a rainbow light being in Orion, which is another aspect of me connected into the Elohim. And this is where it's like, I don't talk about this much because it's friggin' crazy to even people that are new to the community or been in it for a few years. If they're not read up on the consciousness aspect, they're going to go, this guy is a well-orchestrated schizophrenic. It just <laughs> they're going to, they're going to start accusing you of identifying as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which, you know, gets us on the, that whole thing and I'll be in trouble with everyone and everything. So, <laughs> you know, this is where continuously for myself, there is revelations about who I am as well. And it's more complex than what I thought it ever could be. I can remember in car before coming into this earth human body, um, I was given a lot of past life experiences and memories and I can remember interacting with the Elohim before I incarnated here. And that's something if, uh, how are we doing for time guys? We're still doing good for time. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're good. We, we don't really have a time limit. So we just kind of let it die down of its own momentum. So let it go. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So why I'm saying this is because I can remember interacting with the Elohim deciding to come here and help. And so there's been a recent experience which I can go into with the Elohim. Now, originally what happened was in a room adjacent to this room, I was in my bed and there was a golden orb open up and just come at me and it was Pankay being from Orion. It's actually in his Merkaba. He doesn't have a physical nuts and bolts or even an organic craft. He's in his Merkaba light body. And there's living light crafts and different types that we could do a whole show just on those alone. And so he came at me, I was engulfed in this orb, and next second I'm in, the only way I can describe it, now this happened, I think it was around the 8th or 9th of October. I think it was the morning of the 9th of October last month. And I'm in a place, the only way I can describe it was like a, a cathedral, being inside like a church or a cathedral, but structured from light. And there was... 33 representatives, including myself there, and we were overlaid with a holographic, I don't believe it was like a projection of hologram, like a hologram, but it appeared like a hologram, overlaying all of us, and it was 12 Elohim in a circle in like a crystal quartz cave, like a dome, and it was pulsating, and I've, been, I've had a few, few experiences like this as well, and I've been interacting with these guys since 2011 and before in terms of they started appearing as blue orbs and turned from these blue orbs into these seven foot tall light beings. And so me and Corey talked about that. I'm not sure he knew about the Elohim, but there's not just one type of Elohim. There is different densities of them doing different things. Some of them look like they're structured from light and your humanoid and he knew of one type of those as well. So this is where there's cross-correlation with Corey and me in terms of I've, I've had blue orbs come up me in engulf me and all of a sudden I've got a symbiotic relationship with blue beings in this craft that we're in and I never spoke about that part of it but I'd been writing about it in books for nearly 10 years which anybody can go and check up including solar flash material which we can go into in a little bit now during this experience 
not just with the Elohim holographically over us, but there was what I call the Lords of Light and the Sisterhood of Light and the Brotherhood of Light, different. And there was even more than that, but they were like plasma light, ethereal type beings sort of surrounding us, hot, like meters off the ground, way up. And there was information showing that what's going on here is going on in other worlds. It seems to be more amplified on Earth. And that up until April next year, we're going to see a lot of things that have actually already started to come into fruition. Mass shootings, more of them. Um, political upheaval, especially with Israel, with what we're seeing them doing, closing down embassies, um, especially with America, there's going to be upheaval. Now, the point with all this too is that we're going to see civil wars possibly. And now everything that I'm telling you is not set in stone. They're energetically where things are going at the moment. Sure. People will go, this is going to happen on this date, this time. Since 2012, the timelines have come together to more of a create-your-own-reality timeline. Nothing can be done psychically like it was before 2012 because this is a quickening happening. So we're going to see uh, a possible sweep of major earthquakes across the planet as well. Now, this is a result from the sun doing what it's doing because every time the sun's reacting, the Schumann resonance on the earth reacts the tectonic plates react and that's where we get volcanic and earthquake activity now this is a byproduct too of seeing uh, i was told about typhoons cyclones hurricanes there seems to be anything and everything we can think of there's going to be an amping up of that at the moment and this is going through until april next year there was devastation but it wasn't clear to me on how much of a scale if not is it for sure to happen but there seems to be something energetically happening that this is not just confined to Earth. This is confined to other planetary bodies in other star systems as well. There was representatives from completely different places that were being shown this information. And I'll call, call us the ERC, the Elohim Representative Council, because these beings are representatives to the Elohim who can't just talk to anybody and everyone, though if people listen to their thoughts, they're connected to it. That's your God self. The overall collective that you're connected to is your Elohim self. And so these are very highly advanced beings coming through at this time. So there's a lot of things that are going to be happening that we just need to stay in love and peace and manifesting from thought the reality that we want. We can rectify these things. We can actually have disclosure and unified consciousness overnight if we chose to. That's not going to happen. It could eventually happen once things were revealed to us. But for us to overcome our differences, our petty differences of, you know, whether it's skin colour, um, you know, political beliefs or religion beliefs, whatever it is, these are the things that are holding us back and we're, we're made to happen to keep the division. So with the solar flash material, what I was shown, and I wrote this in a book. Now, I'll, I'll tell uh, viewers right now, some of my books are going for $800 on Amazon. Wow. <laughs> I'm not selling them for $800. How is, that, how is that possible? <laughs> what happened was I contacted Amazon and told them the situation. They said people are free to upload it or, you know, basically put a listing themselves of whatever price they want. And even though I, as the, as the published author, don't condone it, they didn't care. They, I, can't, I can't get them removed. Wow. So what I'm saying to you is at the moment is I've done, I think, 10 or 11 books. Only four are available at the moment that I endorse. The rest of them I've pulled down because I'm doing second editions to them. I'm actually thinking about 
putting four or five of those books that are on my personal experiences condensed into one book. And if you go to my website and buy through my website with Amazon, Barnes and Noble and that, they are the proper prices, which is like $6 up to $20. So anybody seeing my books at ridiculous prices, do not get them. Eventually I'll have them out maybe in the next year for a normal prices. But I wrote in Operation Starseed about, it was probably the first time maybe the Elohim holographically projected and manifested in my lounge room and half of the lounge room turned into that crystal cave I was telling you about. And in front of me was holographic projections of who I am, who I'm working with, what beings I'm connected with, which beings are basically our opposing force and what's going on. It doesn't explain everything, but up to that point it did for me. Now, it was explained to me through solar events that there was some there was a lot of humans that died and later Shiji mentioned the solar flash. And now recently she mentioned about a pulse coming from the sun hitting earth and a, and a frequency going back and that there's an up, uh, elevation of consciousness happening from that event. Now from that time when they first originally showed it to me, there was a lot of earth humans that did perish in that, but it was an ascension process or they ended up going where they needed to. They hadn't evolved enough for ascension yet, but they incarnated somewhere else. Mm. The rest of the humans, a majority that were left on the surface were picked up by Pleiadians and Orions in the future, coming back. And the rest of them went underground and over time turned into what we could call the grey aliens connected to Zetas and Dracos as well through genetic manipulations and through going into inner earth through installations. And this has got nothing to do with the inner earth beings. This is a whole different thing. And that some of those beings that went in the turn into graves eventually left earth and put outposts out in other places, trying to rectify and come back and stop what had happened. So there is information that looking back now, I'm going, geez, this is exactly what we've been hearing about, but I don't seem see this is a situation of all doom and gloom. Again, I wrote about this years ago. So there's people like Corey that correlate it. For me, that was a big thing talking to him because I was like explaining some of this to him and we'll back and forth. And, there's other people that have been talking about the sun way before we have as well. And David Wilcox got a lot of material on it. A lot of people, and now we're actually looking at evidence scientifically that what ended the last ice age was possibly a solar flash that hit earth. And so yeah. it's something new. And this is a lot of the content that the cosmic secret is about, I believe. Uh, and what's interesting also is I just recently discovered that Nostradamus predicted this solar event 500 years ago uh, and, he, and he explains how we are taken to the stars, to certain star systems uh, during the event to, to basically certain people are and then brought back afterwards. Uh, it, it's amazing that he predicted this. When you I had no idea of that. Uh, that's yeah, blowing me out. In the that's 1600s. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's actually worth looking into. Uh, he he explains that we're, but he he explains it as we're taken up to. Um, he uses all the astrological signs like Aquarius and Scorpio, and and he said we're, we're the humans will be taken up into the constellations during this event, and just I, I can go into it, but the fact that he predicted this 500 years ago was amazing it blew my mind i was like wow there's really something to this did he give a time frame at all uh, i 
That I don't know. I, I don't know, actually. He may have. And it's also in every, it's in every ancient text and religious text. Uh, and that's what David Wilcock uh, puts a lot of that together. And uh, it's in, it's in the Bible. It's in the Quran. It's in um, the, uh, what's it called? Zoroastrian text. It's in, uh, all yeah, it's in all of them. Ancient Greek. It's like, it's in every ancient culture and ancient religion. Uh, in the text, it, it, there's always some version of the solar flash. And there's, there's different terms used, but they're all describing a big blast from the sun, a big flash from the sun as like the end of times thing that's going to happen. And it's never this doom and gloom thing described. It's always this like glorious rebirth thing. Yeah, like rebirth, like evolve, uh, like we're all going to evolve from it basically. And um, yeah. So it's, it's yeah. not, this is not like, you know, this is not something just a few people are talking about and, oh, you know, whatever. When you start doing your research and looking in every area of everything, it's, it's all over the place and it all pretty much lines up as, and, and, and the interesting thing is when you start realizing there's, this is part of a natural cycle. This is not just a random thing happening. And then you, you look at the evidence that shows um, this happens every uh, 12,500 yeah, 12, right? years yeah. and there's different. Yeah. And there's smaller cycles and then there's bigger cycles. And I believe right now we're at the culmination of like three different cycles. It's like all lining up right now. And so that's why we're getting like the big one and we're overdue and we're overdue. So it's like, you know, it all lines up really well. Definitely nearby. Like I, one thing, I saw some of uh, Wilcox material somewhere I came across it and I've done some research on it. And what it was, was that uh, Alpha Centauri, I think C, one of the stars over that way, which is closest to us, I think, it actually had its own version of the solar flash yeah. maybe middle of last year, I think. And I've got the video of it. I saw him talk about that as well, yeah. 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 And the flash is that big that they reckon anything that it, flashed was it that was in its presence nothing on the surface or possibly inside it could have got you know got you know still be living from that and this is the yeah. thing right it's hard because i get a lot of people coming to me worried about this now it, look we've got to look at things from two two perspectives one's the earth human perspective you guys as friends your families kids you know there's going to be a lot of people possibly perish from this but and it's very sad. I'm not trying to sugarcoat this, but if we look at it on another perspective, multidimensionally, yeah, it's like people are worried about if their dogs are going to come with them or if their their pickup trucks going to come with them. Or <laughs> it's like this stuff. Once you go fourth density and up, the stuff that we perceive as limitations and uh, wants, which are different between wants and needs, you know longer even have a yearning for them it's like when i'm taken yeah. to for example fifth sixth seventh density and upwards i'm actually perceiving those densities not like 3d everything's structured rainbow iridescent light sort of like minecraft a little bit but like hd and it's more clearer than here as well and so what i'm saying is is this is an opportunity for an upping in the level of consciousness and the human perspective 
needs to be put aside for this to see the bigger implications. Because once this happens for us, and it's not just happening on Earth, it's happening in other places in the universe as well, there are beings that have been held up in their dimension from their process and evolution because of what's going on here. And they get to ascend yeah. as well. We're seeing this across the board. Yeah. It's huge. Are, are you familiar with uh, Billy Thorpe, the music artist? Children, he wrote the song Children of the Sun, uh, a concept album in the 70s. I know who you're talking about, but I don't know if I've heard that album or not. Well, he, he wrote a concept album in the 70s, and actually he had a hard time finding uh, somebody to produce it because of the content was so taboo at the time. It's actually a fascinating story, but he talked about, it was a concept album. He had to have been an experiencer. It talks about uh, children coming through, or children, but beings coming through the sun, coming to the earth and taking everyone off earth and, and uh, taking us through the stars. And it, it's a whole story. And it's, it's amazing. It, it's just another example of this information uh, being around since the it's, um. And this is the thing too, like Shiji, the seventh density version of her is actually a gatekeeper of the star Merope in the Pleiades. All stars are portals. They're living entities as well, but they're also portals. And I surmise in time, what they're going to find is that every single star is connected through maybe an electromagnetic type tunnel, which oh, basically they pop in and through navigation, through consciousness of their crafts, working with the sun's consciousness or that star's consciousness, which basically puts out like a neuron network throughout the universe, you can navigate. The thing with this, but is if we look at it in third dimensional physics, we burn up. But when we look at things multidimensionally, what confines us in 3D dimensions with the hyperdimensional physics of space, things operate differently. So what affects this in 3D, meaning burning up and those sorts of things doesn't affect beings that are evolved enough to use that type of technology there are natural portals there are portals that are artificial as well but i've been shown portals that can get give us access to what i call very advanced realms and places that the beings told me the only way anyone's got access to them is their hot is depending on their level of consciousness no. and love is the key to that it opens you up to the vibration of source which gives you access to those other realms but really the biggest portals within that is what overrides anything yeah. and gets into that Merkaba light vehicle place to where you override all that as well. Now, the sun itself is a portal, correct? I, I mean, I, I remember during the, uh, the, remember the solar observatory shutdown back in uh, oh, a couple of years a ago? Year ago? Yeah, like yeah. a year ago or so. And people caught footage or photographs of what looked like thousands of ships coming out of the sun and it was almost seemed and that and that's not the only there's been tons of stuff like nasa's even caught stuff yeah, coming out of the sun sure sure they'll shut off the feed right when it happens yeah and stuff. Exactly. yeah which which ties in with that children of the sun song out yeah. album i was talking about so they they speak of the sun being a portal uh, which is just fascinating to me because we're ta we're taught like it's like death you know if you get close to the sun you'll just disintegrate when really it is quite the opposite, you know. It really just depends on the level of technology and the level of your consciousness uh, to what, what's going to affect you and what's not. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these crafts have uh, anti-grav fields. If you're in your Merkaba, it's not even going to matter. Some of these crafts are actually even bigger than our sun. Some of them are the size of our Earth. Whether they're cloaked or not, like 
those types of technologies with our current physics just in the public domain, just people can't comprehend that that's possible, but it is possible. And a lot of our, you know, technologies will allow for that within the secret space program and uh, beyond black ops, I'll call it, because they're working with lower type ET technology where they can do some of the similar things to what the ETs are doing because it's the same type of tech. So it's all about perception and, and what we know, but it's being open-minded that, yeah, there's, there's different facets to every sort of subject and scenario. It's just not black and white. Yeah. Yeah. 100, 100% agree. And you said, uh, you know, we're going to see potentially earthquakes, you know, sweeping across the earth, which is, which is interesting because we live right under New Madrid Fault. And just within the last week, five days, I would say. Close to it, yeah. All, all over on the news, they're talking about that we're way overdue for an earthquake, why we should prepare for an earthquake. They're like putting it, it's almost like they know something they're putting it into our consciousness. Like we might, might want to be prepared for something. Definitely. And you'll see it's usually, there's a spate of things that happen at the same time or following on like a domino effect, a chain, chain reaction. Usually something to do with the sun, the earth reacting, um, and that can go into volcanic earthquake activity, which then goes into cyclones, hurricanes, typhoons. There's been fires that were shown to me as well. We're now seeing that in Australia. We've got major fires in Australia at the moment on the East Coast and also in America, in California, I think they, they're still going as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there's so many different floods as well. Like every single thing is connected. There's this, you know, I guess, chain reaction of cause and effect going on with all these. And I think the areas to sort of watch out for would be, of course, America on the, the West Coast, Japan, Italy, Indonesia, um, those types of places, and New Zealand as well. Australia's pretty, pretty uh, safe. We don't get earthquakes. We get earth tremors. Every now and then we might get something hardcore, but we're on one tectonic plate. Yeah. So if you all of America on one plate, but they, they, it is surmised by some people that if the plate between New, Ze uh, New Zealand and Australia shifted, we basically the whole East, East Coast would be wiped out from a massive tsunami because yeah, it's wow. just one massive plate. But, um, you know, it, it's not to be worried about these, these things going on. Like, of course, if you're out of the cities, you're in a better situation mm -hmm. because, like I say to anybody, Try to probably be about three days, four days at least of having backup things if you needed them. Because usually after that, if it's doable again, everything's going to be back up and running. Where if you're in a city, you know, so much potential stuff can happen from riots and everything like that. But the, especially with the solar flash, I don't think it exactly matters where you go. Like there might be some places in the earth, if it's far enough in, I don't know, if it could reduce the amount of effect of what it could do to the body. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't think anyone is safe anywhere. And it all comes down to your level of consciousness in your heart to what's going to be the byproduct for you individually from that. And I don't think it's anything to worry about. It's just, even what I was shown with some of the earth humans turning into greys, I was told that that doesn't happen anymore, but it still does on another timeline. Mm -hmm. And the Elohim was showing to me, this long, along with Shiji, that because of my linear thinking, um, I can't perceive that outcome properly. And I'm like, well, how much bloody linear can I get? Then I'm multidimensional half of the time. But <laughs> to understand some of these concepts and ideas from their point of view, looking down at me 
interacting with me because I guess, you know, there's still that lim- what we perceive as limitation being human. Because what they, ha- they have told me is that we're the most advanced beings that exist, not just in the 3D realm, but any realm. And it's up to us to wake up to that ability because we're actually a conglomerate of, we're like a super race in the 3D realm, a conglomerate of so many different genetics yeah. that our abilities, we can actually do things that even the angelics and Elohim cannot do. They told me that personally. Oh. And they glean stuff from our light body. So everything you do in the physical affects your light body. There's traits and abilities for the earth human experience that they can almost glean into their light body from that and get like a hybridized situation of that which they're gleaning and incorporated into themselves. Yeah. And so we've got abilities that I don't think we've got an idea about, but I think it's more hardcore than what we can perceive at this time with what they'll show me with what we're actually capable of. Oh yeah. Well, Peter, I, I would love to keep talking. Uh, this We can talk forever, but I think it is about time uh, to wrap this up. Uh, thank you so yeah, much. Thank this you has so been, much. This, is, this has been, it's been fascinating. Uh, you have so much to say. I feel like we could talk for four hours. Oh, I could, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I could have kept going um, all day. Yeah. So anybody out there listening, uh, make sure you check out. You have your own YouTube channel. You post videos up there quite often. Yeah. Or, PeterMaxwellSlattery.com. I've also got eSetiAustralia.org and PeterMaxwellSlattery.com. And there's Facebook, yeah, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all that, so people can follow on any of those uh, platforms if they decide to. And make sure, if if it's at all feasible for you, to get tickets and head to Australia in January for Disclosure Down Under. Uh, if the stars align, I will definitely be trying to make my way down down there. Yeah, we've got some people from America coming over besides this, like actual people that have bought tickets and they're flying over. So yeah. it's uh, blowing me out that people from far and wide are coming as well. Yeah, well, it's not just about coming to get the information. It's the experience of even being out in Australia. I've never been there. Uh, and just meeting who knows who I'll meet and it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead you new places, you know, so. Definitely. It's networking and the people that make all these possible and, and makes it feel like you're around family. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, everybody listening, don't forget to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram's coming soon. Um, uh, make sure that you uh, go to omniaradiationbalancer.com and purchase. Uh, click the link. Click the no, link. Don't. <laughs> click the link below. You always forget to say. I know. <laughs> click the link below in the description and um, purchase one of the patches for your phone. Uh, we need to protect ourselves from that uh, harmful EMF frequencies or EMF radiation. Radiation. Yeah. EMF. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wi-Fi. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for listening. Thank you for coming on, Peter. Uh, we'll have to do this again. Definitely, definitely looking forward to everything you have coming up and the Cosmic Secret. Uh, everybody, make sure you pre-order that. It comes out on the nineteenth, and it'll be talk. It'll be talking about the Solar Flash. Um, so, thanks for listening, and good night, everybody. Good night, everyone.